How oh, it's a little hot. Uh, how's everyone doing this this morning? You guys have a good week. C'est bon. C'est bon. As Adele and uh, Danielle and Jesse say to me. Uh, good. All right. So uh, whether you like it or not, you get to hear me this morning instead of Pastor Jamie. So for those of you who are visiting, you didn't know, but you just got here to hear the best preacher. And I'm just kidding. Second best preacher. Love you, Pastor Jamie. And uh, we're talking about Daniel and standing. Standing in uh, standing, stories of courage, a bunch of... Uh, is that good? A bunch of different things. The last couple of weeks, we've uh, just kind of going through the stories of Daniel and uh, kind of taking a look at Daniel's life and talking about uh, standing. So standing... Encourage. Does anyone remember the other the other weeks? I was away for some of them. No. All right. Okay. So go back and read Daniel, and you'll see that Daniel is this person who um, lives kind of a crazy life, kind of an abnormal life, and uh, he has to do. Uh, he's put in a very difficult situation for most of his adult life. Well, yeah, almost his entire adult life, and has to do a lot of uh, standing firm for God and uh, and for his faith. And so today we're going to take, continue to take a look at that. So this morning we're going to be talking about Jesus. Is that good with everyone? Talk about Jesus? I'd like to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about uh, Daniel and a very intense vision that he had. I don't think I've ever... Um, Pastor Jamie gave me this passage. I don't think I've ever heard anyone speak on this passage before. And uh, so it's going to be good. And we're also going to talk about dancing. One person. Yeah, good. All right. Dancing, yes. Now, I'm the worst person to talk about dancing, but we're going to do it a little bit. And you probably have no idea where, where I'm going, and you won't know where I'm going for a little bit, but I promise it'll be good. So, um, yeah, we'll just talk about that for a minute. I am like the worst dancer of all time, and I'm the worst person to talk about dancing. So, do they still do like dance classes in elementary school? Where they like, kind of like teach you dance a little bit? So I only went to one of those by sheer luck, and I was very grateful for it, although now I kind of regret it, because I was always either at home sick, on vacation, or changing schools. I would literally, I would transfer schools just before dance classes were going to start at the one school, and I would get there as it ends at the other school, so I never had to do it. And I was okay with that. And, uh, but now, when I sit and watch, like, so you think you can dance with my wife, I'm like, man, I feel like I'm missing out on something because I can't dance. But there's a metaphor with dancing, and we're going to come back to it a little later, and it's, and it's important. And it uh, um, might be a little harder for the guys in the room to get it, because dancing can seem kind of like girly and stuff, especially when, when we get into it. But it's, it's a very important metaphor. And so correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know a lot about dancing. But when two people are dancing together, one person usually takes the lead, right? One person's in charge, the other person's kind of following, right? But you both have things you have to do and together, right? Is that, am I right there? Okay. Probably depending on the type of dance and all that stuff, okay? Okay, so keep that in mind. And so as we go along, we're going to talk about dancing and we're going to use this metaphor and uh, it's going to be good. So let's talk about Daniel for a second. So Daniel, if you don't know, he's got a whole book named after him. He's the guy who got thrown into a lion's den in the kid's story and didn't get eaten. And he was a man of great faith. 
And we're not going to look at the whole story of Daniel, but I just want to say that when you look at Daniel's life, Daniel was a man who consistently walked with God day by day, right? We see these big moments in Daniel's life, but more important than those big moments was the fact that we get, catch these glimpses that Daniel was walking with God and living for God every single day, right? He got thrown in the lion's den. They caught him because they knew that every single day he prayed to God three times. And he was like the second most important person in, in an entire empire, and he still prayed to God three times a day. So we know that Daniel was consistently walking with God and serving God faithfully. And he was a, a man who was a, dark, who was a light in the darkest place of his time. Babylon, the empire in which he was um, a slave, was the worst place in that time. It was the darkest, most sinful, most wicked, evil place. Um, it's used actually as a metaphor in a lot of prophecy in the prophets. They talk about Babylon because of how bad it was. It's like Babylon and Satan and evil are here. And that's the image that they use. You want to know what, what hell is like and Satan is like and the enemy is like? Well, just go take a look at Babylon. And so that's where Daniel is serving. And But he was a man who had influence, and he influenced multiple kings in multiple empires, okay? Which I think is pretty rare. Normally when a king comes in, they take over, they just kind of kill everyone and bring in their own guys. Daniel kind of made it through all these different kings, all these different empires, and he had a lot of influence. And so Daniel knew how to stand in faith, and that's where we're talking, talking about today, is standing firm in faith. And so Daniel knew how to do it, and um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at these stories and have you ever wondered why? Or how, sorry, how? How did Daniel do it? How did Daniel stand firm? How did Daniel make it through all of these things? Right? Being in, like, we think our culture is bad, Babylon was worse. But Daniel somehow managed to live in it and not just survive, but be an influence and have a voice to kings and the whole empires. Right? He faced lions. He had to speak the truth that wasn't always very good to the kings he was serving who could just kill him if they didn't like the answer. He had to handle living in the, in the pagan land where he was forced to learn their ways and become a magician. He didn't just get to go hide there. He was actually forced and taught. That's why they brought him over there. They got all the smart Jewish guys and said, we're going to teach you all our stuff so that you can be you know, our magicians and stuff. Okay? And so he had to learn all that stuff and still stay, stay faithful to God and not practice it. It's a difficult task. And when I was thinking in, about this and how does Daniel stand in faith and how does, like, how did he do it? Um, I think it's because Daniel knew how to dance. I'm just going to leave that there. I think Daniel knew how to dance. But before I tell you what that dance is, why don't we read the passage together? Uh, Daniel tap, chapter 10 is where we're going. Okay? Daniel chapter 10. There we go. Okay. So if you want to turn with me in Daniel chapter 10, we're going to read it twice today. I think... Okay. And I'll, uh, I'll read it out loud as well. So in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true. See, they even changed Daniel's name to something named after their gods. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. 
I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. So whatever it was that Daniel received, it, uh, it scared him. And on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz was around his waist. His body was like beryl, his, fine, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words were like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, he's talking about uh, spiritual forces here, came to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia, and I came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. And when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, and I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? But now now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. Okay. Daniel chapter 10. First couple times I read this, it was like, whoa, this is really intense, kind of, kind of strange, kind of personal, right? So here's, here's what's going on. Can you imagine being Daniel in this moment? Having a very intense, personal moment with God. So personal that everyone who's around you doesn't see it, but they get really freaked out and they run away. That's really intense, Right? And sometimes I used to think that if I could just have a moment or experience like this, and I, I don't know if you're like me, but I used to think that if I could just have this big moment with God, then that would really kind of like set things straight for me and change things. And I would go, yeah, that was so good. And God like changed me. So I'm never going to go back to sin and these old things. And I'm just going to live life differently because I had this big moment with God. And I, I used to think about that, or I used to think that way. I used to think that if I could just have a big experience with God, then I would be different. 
And that's because I can't dance. I know, I've confused it long enough. Here's the deal. Here's what's going on. Okay, let's talk about the dance. What I'm talking about, how Daniel can dance, how I can't dance, which is true, um, is this. Is that there is this dance or this partnership that is taking place between our personal experience and our personal revelation of God and God's absolute truth and God's revelation. Okay? We're going to use this metaphor of dance, and it's going to make a little more sense. Okay? There's these two pieces of how we interact with God. Okay? As Pentecostals, we get this. This is kind of important to us. We don't just serve a God who we read off of on paper. Right? We don't just read about God. We experience him personally. He speaks to us. Sometimes unexplainable things happen to us. Miracles happen. Healings take place. Things that aren't necessarily in Scripture coincidences that aren't really coincidences, all these types of things, right? We have personal experience and personal revelation with God. But then we also have God's absolute truth and God's revelation, right? Scripture, the Word of God, the Bible, right here in front of you, right? And the Word of God is uh, about Jesus and is Jesus. It tells us in John chapter 1. that In the beginning, the Word was with God and the Word was God. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so there are these two ways in which we interact with God, and God interacts with us. And I, I don't want to use the metaphor of just saying, well, we've got to learn how to balance the two. But there's actually, I think, a dance that goes on between them. There is a, um, a relationship, right? Because when you think about dancing and you, and you see two people who, who are dancing together, it's a beautiful thing right? When one leads, one follows, and they are dancing something out together. And I think that as we live our lives, that this is how God wants to live with us, right? We talk about walking with God, and uh, sometimes maybe it's more like dancing with God, right? And so let's, let's unpack this. So here's, here's kind of what I mean, right? So we know and experience God in His Word, and the Word is Jesus, God became a man, right? If you didn't know that, the Bible is all about Jesus. He's even in this passage, and I'll explain that later. Like, the Word is all about Jesus, okay? But he's not just a God of 2,000 years ago, right? He speaks to us. We get this, right? And so I think, I think if we can begin to get this, how if we can begin to understand how these two are supposed to relate and interact then it will go a long way in how we are going to stand for God in faith and how we're going to live our lives. Okay? Some of you have got some weird looks on your faces because dance, right? He's talking about dancing and Jesus. And, uh, yep. But this is good, okay? So what happens, let's talk about this. What happens when partners are out of step? Right? When the dancers aren't dancing together? Okay? The answers are already up there, but... Sometimes Pentecostals get accused of this, right? When it's all about our personal experience and what God is saying to me and the things I'm experiencing, right? We, can, we sometimes get accused of this. Um, is that our, your, it becomes a subjective faith, right? When, when personal experience is, pushes the Bible out of the way and pushes Jesus out of the way and says, this is how I experience God, so who are you to tell me that was wrong? It becomes a very subjective faith. And what happens when our faith becomes subjective? We begin to mix in other religions, other faiths, other practices, things like 
karma and Buddhism and all these other things that aren't Christian, that are false teachings, they get mixed in. Self-help, things from our culture, get mixed in. And when it trumps trumps God's word, it can lead us into heresy, into actual false teaching about God and can lead us away from God and other people away from God. It becomes feelings-driven, emotions-driven, right? How do we judge whether or not this is God? Well, based on how I feel. Feels good, feels right. No, that doesn't feel good, right? I feel like you're judging me. No. Or I'm not feeling it right now, so God must not be speaking to me. Those types of things. And so it becomes feeling-driven. It can lead to a lack of holiness, and, and the mixing of, of different beliefs, right? But what happens when um, God's word pushes personal experience out of the way? And just follow, follow me through on this, okay? When we, because some, Christian, some Christians do this, right? Pentecostals, we can be accused of personal experience trumping the Bible. We can be, okay? I think a real Pentecostal doesn't do that, but some charismatics and different people, we kind of get carried away. But then there's other Christians who are like, no, it's just God's, like, the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. Okay? That's their Trinity. And God's Word is so important that it almost becomes like lifeless religion to them. It's all about the rules. Right? And what happens is it becomes cold, and there's a lack of love and empathy and compassion. There's no wrestling with the brokenness of people. Because, well, this is what God's Word says, so suck it up and deal with it. Right? Some Christians are like that. Well, you feel down and depressed? Well, you shouldn't because the Bible says you should be full of joy. Right? Sometimes we, we, we go there. Right? It's true. Okay? And all kinds of things. We could sit on that and just talk about these things for a while. And it turns into legalism and we can actually end up quenching the work of the Spirit in people's lives and in our lives. When it was, the Bible said so and these things. Right? Okay? And that's when we just kick personal experience of the door. It doesn't matter what you're feeling or how you're doing. This is what the word says, so deal with it. Okay? That's when we get into picket signs and yelling at people and all those types of things. And that's what happens when these two things become out of step with each other and they're fighting for control or they're fighting to dance on their own. I don't need you. Just get out of here. I'm going to do this two-person dance on my own. And that's what happens. Okay? And what I think is Daniel, and we're gonna, I'm going to show you in the passage that Daniel actually understood how these both work together. Okay? So the question is then, if these are the two partners of the dance and that we see the damage that happens when they're out of step with each other, who should take the lead? Right? If we're talking about dancing and someone takes the lead, who takes the lead? God takes the lead. God's word, God's absolute truth, the Bible, Jesus, ultimately. Thank you. 
check, check. Then things start to go well. And we start to dance well. And so here's what happens. So we interpret our experience through truth. Through capital T truth, right? Our culture says there's no such thing as truth. Truth is whatever I feel like it is to me. You know, if you feel like it's different, great. All right? That doesn't make any sense. It actually doesn't. But that's what we say. Well, that's good for you, not good for me. Well, no, it's not because there are things I do that annoy you and get mad at you, right? Like, I just can't go and, like, hit a dog or you'll take it away from me. Well, what if I feel like it's okay to hit dogs? Or any of these types of things. No, serious, right? And we just, but that's just what our culture does to justify, you know, pushing back against capital T truth. So we interpret our experience and God's revelation, how he speaks to us, the things that are going on, on truth, okay? The Bible, the Word of God, through Jesus, okay? And then our experience brings that truth to life. Because if we don't bring our experience into truth, then it's just a bunch of random rules and random things. But there's actually a richness and a life to Scripture that goes way beyond do this, don't do this, where we can enter into relationship with God. And I've, uh, I found this personally reading through the Psalms. I never got Psalms. Now I get Psalms and I love the Psalms because I see the depth of emotion in the scriptures and how it's okay for me to have that full range of emotion and how God meets me in those places. Okay? And so our experience actually brings, brings that truth to life because we serve a living God. It's not just, it's not just mindless truth. It's not like, you know, Buddhism or Hinduism where you just read this holy script and it's just these proverbs and, you know, try and do a good job. Right? It's actually stories, and it's, it's Jesus himself, okay? And so when the partners are in step, when we're in step, when the scripture leads and we follow, then the Holy Spirit is able to work in our lives and does work in our lives, transforming us, right? In Romans 12, 2, it says transforming us by the renewing of our mind and in lots of other places. The Holy Spirit actually works in us and through us. Okay, and this is where faith is cultivated and grows in us, right? Where our belief is grown because we're now walking with, dancing with God. And it's where fruit is grown and and happens, right? The fruit of the Spirit, and sometimes we pray, oh, I just wish I had more patience. I wish I had more of this, more of this God. When we are walking with God in this relationship, that begins to happen, right? When dancers are dancing, they're dancing to a certain mood, to a certain tempo. They're trying to tell a story. This is the kind of story that is being told. Okay? Now let's read Daniel 10 again, and then let's look at how does this metaphor um, play out in this story. Because it really hit me when I, when I was reading it. Okay? We'll read it one more time. And see if you can catch what's going on. And how... Because I really think that Daniel under, understood this. Okay? And I'm going to unpack it and, and explain it for us. Let's, let's see if we can catch it. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understand, understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz was around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face 
like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words were like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. And I came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. And it goes on. Okay. So, how do we see this in Daniel 10? Okay. How do we see Daniel, um, and what can we learn here about how we interact with personal experience, and how do we interact with God's absolute truth, right? How do we actually do this? Okay. So here's, here's where we go. So let's start with personal experience, personal revelation from God, okay? Because Daniel is experiencing a very unique revelation, a very unique experience, right? None of you will ever experience this, okay? This is not going to happen to any of you, just so you know. You may have some crazy experiences. I've had some crazy experiences. I have friends who've had crazy experiences. This particular experience, like if you go walking along the Tigris River... God is not going to, you know, repeat this for you, okay? Just so you know. So don't go and make a pilgrimage, okay? And so here's the thing about the revelation, okay? So the personal experience, personal revelation, it was personal, it was powerful, and it was about Jesus. Now let's unpack that. So the revelation was so intense, like we, we read it and he's recounting what happened to him. And he was... So it was personal, like only him. No one else saw it, right? There were people around him, and they all just took off, right? Just like how we see with Saul, when Saul was converted, and Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, everyone just sees a blinding light and feels scared, and Paul sees Jesus, right? It was personal, and it was powerful. It affected his emotions, his body, his mind, his whole being, right? When he first got his first vision, he didn't eat. Like, he didn't eat, he hardly slept, he mourned, he fasted. It, it affected him powerfully. Then when God actually shows up in the vision, what happens to him? Like, you see this full range of, he falls on the ground, he can't stand, he loses his strength. Then when God kind of picks him up, then he can't talk because he's just dumbstruck, like literally dumbstruck. I don't know what to say. I can't speak to you right now because this is crazy right? It totally is changing him, affecting him, is confronting him, right? And the revelation points to and is about God's truth, right? And we see that in here, right? He says, I came to you to help you understand the truth, right? About what is going to happen, okay? And so sometimes things happen to us and in our personal experience, our personal relationship with God that we can't really explain, 
Okay? I don't know how many of you have had experiences that you can't really explain and you can't necessarily find it in the Bible or in Scripture. Right? God spoke to you, whispered something to you, showed up and did something really intense. And it's not, it's not a... Sometimes we think the more intense of a revelation or experience we have with God, the better our relationship with Him is. That's not actually true. I think that um, God gives bigger revelations sometimes to people because they just need it more. And I'll share an example from my life. But there are things that happen sometimes um, that we can't explain. And so what do we do with them, right? And so I'll give you two, two examples of personal things from my life. Not to brag, because the one is actually kind of humiliating when I really look at what God was doing. And so I've told, I don't know if I've told the full story of how I was healed five and a half years ago of some of my, some of my allergies. I've told some people, maybe some of you haven't had it, heard it. So five, five and a half years ago, I was on my first year at Masters, College and Seminary. We went on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. And at the time, I was anaphylactic to potatoes. So if I, you know, touched a potato, except for French fries, because of the grease, it was like Russian roulette, um, I would swell up and go into anaphylactic shock and die. Okay? Had that since birth. Parents took me to the doctor's baby saying, I think he's allergic to potatoes. And they say, well, we've never heard of that before. So, but it was, because they'd rub it on my skin and it'd swell up. And so, allergic to potatoes, allergic to corn, and corn would set off asthma, and corn would give me intense uh, migraines and headaches and make me really nauseous, and, uh, and it was getting worse. My allergy to corn was getting worse. And I noticed that like a, a year before, a year, two years before I went to Masters because I used to eat marshmallows raw all the time. And then one day I was at a campfire, I ate two marshmallows and like was so sick. And so you read the ingredients, oh, corn syrup. And, uh, and then from there it was, you know, I couldn't even eat, by that point at Masters, I couldn't even take a bite out of a Mars bar without getting an incredible um, nauseous migraine because of the corn syrup. So that's how I was reacting to corn. Like a week before I went on this mission trip. And so we go on this mission trip, and God shows up in some really unique, um, crazy ways that I won't go into the full story, um, but it just kind of started in a Sunday night service. The pastor stops preaching, starts prophesying over my professor, um, Graham Gibson, if any of you know him. He falls over, and it was something to the effect of, all the tears you've been crying over this class, I've been holding in a bowl, now it's going to overflow. And then the Holy Spirit just started showing up, people having visions, people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, all kinds of stuff going on till like three in the morning that night. Okay, while that's going on, crazy, unique personal experiences. I'm sitting in the middle of it, not experiencing anything. No feelings, no emotions, nothing. Okay, and I feel like in that moment, God tells me, or I feel like I should not because I didn't really feel anything. That I should just go and pray and see what was going on. Right? What's wrong with me? It's kind of where we go when we don't feel things. Right? So I went and prayed, and I felt very convicted after a couple of hours, because it just kind of kept going on and on, that I cared more about the experience and experiencing something cool and thinking that that would change me than I cared about just seeking God himself regardless of what happens. Okay? That's, I felt convicted. And then I felt like I was supposed to tell everyone that, which is awesome. So, you know, but I did because I was like, well, you know what, God, you're right. Like, I did. I cared too much about, I overthought, I wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit too much. I wanted to have these cool things too much that it was taking over God, right? And so that, for me, was where I was kind of trying, I was kind of getting out of step, or trying to get out of step, and it kept um, just causing a lot of frustration in my walk with God. And so the next night, 
same thing happens. We're at a Bible college, talking to people about our experiences between the Dominican and um, Canada, and then boom, Holy Spirit shows up, people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, people understanding each other, different languages, visions happening, all this stuff happening, right? Okay? I'm still not feeling anything. It's very strange. The professors are going, I don't know what's going on. This is really weird. And this pastor calls me over. He wants to pray for me. Every time he prays for someone, they, like, fall over, and he doesn't touch them. So I'm, like, walking over. And then he's praying for me, and people are behind me waiting to catch me because that's what's supposed to happen, right? When the Holy Spirit kind of comes on you, right? Well, that doesn't happen. I'm just kind of standing there, and he's yelling in Spanish, fire, fire, fuego, fuego. And um, I'm just kind of standing there. And I felt this very clear thought come into my head and say, just lay down. So I just laid down. Right? I didn't, they were trying to catch me, but I was like, no, I'm just laying down on my own. Like, it's all good. And uh, so then he's praying for me. When he leaves, I kind of feel this presence and this peace on me that I didn't really just kind of snuck up on me. And I try to get up after 10 or 15 minutes. Because I'm like, well, this is cool. All done now. Let's get up. And I get my head about two inches off the floor and it smacks back down on the ground. And I try to lift my feet. And then my ankles just kind of flop around. And then I try to arch my back and my butt doesn't get off the ground. Okay? And I try to lift my head again, my head doesn't even move. Okay? Very unique, very personal. I could not explain it. It was like that for 45 minutes. The service ended. Everyone was waiting to go. I could hear them because I was awake and conscious. And they're going, what's going on? Like, someone move him. They're like, come on, just get up already. And I'm like, I can't get up. And... Uh, and I'm stuck there, like, very personal, very powerful, right? What's going on, okay? And then in that moment, I felt like God was humbling me and saying, I can do what I want, right? Like, he was thanking me for actually going and obeying him, regardless of how I felt. And he was then showing, like, I really can do whatever I want. And it's not going to be necessarily what you expect or what you want, because it's kind of embarrassing when you're stuck there, you know, and like, like 100 plus people are just kind of like standing there going, like, all right. Let's, uh, the buses are going, like, let's get out of here. And I'm stuck. My friends actually even tried to move me, two, two good friends of mine. They tried to move me, and they had to drag me, and they, they had to stop. And they stuck me in one of those really uncomfortable half-desk, half-chairs things. Because I was too heavy, and I was getting heavier. Right? Because God was just saying, I'm just going to, like, deal with you right now. And, uh, but all, the whole time I feel this peace coming on me, and then I feel, again, this loud, clear thought coming into my head saying, I'm healing you. I go, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. So I wasn't asking for it, and I kind of given up on it. He says, no, I'm healing you. And I go, what are you healing me of? Doesn't say anything. Then I'm there for another couple minutes. Then I just feel like the weight come off me. I go back, and I go, wow, that was really cool. Maybe God healed me, right? Probably, you know, a good thing. So I go, uh, let's try corn, because corn's not going to kill me if I eat it. I'm just going to get really sick. So I go, and I find a box of cornflakes, because that's all I had. And I start eating, and everyone notices, and everyone starts celebrating because they know God did something. And then I have an allergic reaction. I, I did. I was, like, sick taking Benadryl all night. Just after, like, half a bowl of cornflakes. It's great. And uh, so then, the, right? So I was like, what's going on? This personal experience, right? And then the next night, things are still happening, a little more toned down, a little more personal in the background. And uh, these people walk by me, and they're like, we need to pray for you. And I'm like, yeah, I think I feel like you're supposed to pray for me too. So they're in my bedroom. Same thing happens. I'm on the ground. I can't get back up. This is weird, God. And uh, I don't get this. The Bible doesn't talk about this. And, uh, and there's this guy who got baptized in the Holy Spirit who had been resisting it all week. 
And so when he finally kind of gave into it, God said, that's fine, you're just not going to speak in English for the next couple hours. Very strange, right? Not normal, not consistent, right? And these are, these are experiences where we don't say, this is normal and this happens all the time, and if this doesn't happen to you, then something is wrong with you. We don't do that, right? Okay? So every time he would come in to find a pen or a piece of paper or whatever, I'd be like fighting God to sit back up because I'm like kind of tired of it, just laying there for an hour, unable to move, and he would come in and start speaking English, saying things like, I love you, I'm not done with you, go lay back down. So after about an hour of that, or who knows how long, I feel the release come off, I go grab a box of cornflakes, go hide somewhere, and I'm fine. And I've been fine ever since, and I ate so many Doritos after that, I got sick of them. And when I got home, I go and I just like ate a raw potato, I licked it first. And then when I realized I wasn't dying, I like texted all my friends, I just licked the potato and didn't die. It was like my whole life. Okay? I grew up on rice, and I had lots of other issues. And so, uh, but I thought that that experience was going to like totally change me. Right? You would expect something like that would totally change you. No. Two weeks later, I'm back to same old hang-ups and struggles and frustrations and all these types of things. Right? And it's because I thought that that experience was going to, right, was in charge. Right? And it wasn't. And I had to learn, and God showed me over time, that his truth and his word is first, and my experience follows. Okay? And it's crazy. And I don't say that to boast. I say that almost like I was kind of like a stubborn, you know, mule that needed to get broken in a little bit. Okay? And needed to get broken in even more after that, because clearly I didn't learn my lesson. Right? And it took me a couple of years to get it. Another experience, Jesse shared at the road trip last night. Um kind of Wednesday night, how God kind of rested on him and, and some crazy things happened. So just like another personal experience, quick, from my perspective. Every time I looked at Jesse during that service, I broke out crying. So I'm like, I think God wants me to pray for him. So every time I look at you, I start weeping, right? And he's off in the corner. And then there's this other guy who comes over and says, every time I like, you know, look at Jesse, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for him. I can't get him out of my mind. And I'm like tingling all over. Weird, not in the Bible. What do you do with that, Right? So we're praying for Jesse, and God is giving us some things to speak over Jesse, and it seemed to be clicking in what, you know, Jesse needed to hear. So God was using us in prophecy and a couple different gifts. And um, then my arm started tingling. It was just this weird moment, and I look over at Jesse, and he, like, can't stand up anymore because God's on him. And we had this, re- it was this really unique experience for Jesse. And for, for my end, it was like, oh, is this what happened to me those couple years ago? Where, like, I couldn't stand up anymore? And, and it was intense for me because, like, like, I'm just, I look at you and I cry. Like, what's up with that, right? And that doesn't mean that every time I, that I don't pray with people unless I'm crying, or for the other guy, he doesn't pray with people unless his, his arms are tingling, right? And so what do we do with these experiences, right? What do you do with them? Some Christians would say, well, that's not in the Bible, and so that's from the devil, or you're making it up, or you need to go see a psychiatrist and get medicated. Some Christians say that, okay? They're coming around. It's not so many so anymore, but that happens. Some Christians go the other way, and they start teaching it like it's normal, and expecting that to happen every time. And then they start pushing people, and hitting them with their cloaks, and doing all kinds of things that, hmm, we need to be careful that we're not forcing it, pushing it, right? Like God do what he wants to do at the the other hand, right? And so, but what do we do with it? And what we do 
is that we submit them to Scripture. We submit them to God's Word, to God's truth, to who Jesus is, who God is, and we, and we do that in community. We don't do it by ourselves, because then I just read the Bible, and this is what I believe it is, so we can just kind of... Then we, what we can do is accidentally fall into error, because we can read our experiences into Scripture and make that normal. Okay? So we do it in community as a church. That's part of the reason why we're here. That's part of the reason why we have elders and leaders, right? People who we trust to lead us and guide us and keep us from falling into error. It's part, part of the reason. And ultimately, it's all Scripture. Our authority is Scripture. I don't get to stand up here and just tell you my opinion, and that's authority enough. It has to come from the Word of God. It has to come from Scripture. And I, I can be tested, and I'm supposed to be tested. Whenever someone stands up and speaks, you're supposed to test it against the Word of God. Because I'm human, and I make mistakes. Okay? And what happens when we stop testing it, then we get into traditions. Well, we get into, you know, everything goes. And when we stop putting personal experience in, then we get traditions, and we get a church that worked a thousand years ago but doesn't work so well now. Right? Because culture and cha- and has changed, and people have changed, technology has changed. Right? Okay? So this is, that's what we do. We submit it. And this is where it begins to become a dance. Not just a balancing act, but a dance, because it's this give and take, this follow and leading, this learning to work together, right? As we submit to God's ultimate revelation. And that's a part of our personal revelation, right? If what God is doing and the experience you're having has nothing to do with Jesus and God, and those things, it might not be from him. It might be what you ate for breakfast, you know, or that late night snack. It could be something else, okay? That's, that's where we're doing. Even when I speak and when I feel like God wants me to say something to someone in prophecy, I have to be careful that I don't just speak for God, but that they know they need to judge it against Scripture. Because I've had words spoken over me, and I'm like, no, no. And I've had words spoken over me where I go, well, I'm going to tuck that in the back of my mind and see what happens. And I've had words spoken over me where like, that confirms exactly what God is speaking to me right now. Okay? So this is, this is how we do this dance. And so the passage tells us that Daniel humbled himself and set his heart to understand. And you see that a lot in the passage, understanding and, and humbling himself. Daniel got this, right? Daniel understood that he needed to seek knowledge, seek understanding of the Scripture and of God and who he was, and he needed to humble himself before God and not put himself as the lead dancer because God is the lead dancer. Okay, and so let's talk about God's revelation, okay? So this is the other piece, right? Because if we're going to let God lead, we have to know who is leading and what dance he is doing, right? You can't go in and try and do a waltz if the other person is trying to do the tango. It does not work, I think. I don't know. Let's make it more extreme. You can't go in and do a hip-hop dance if you're trying to do ballet, you know, from some Shakespeare play. It does not work right? So you have to know these things. And so this is where um, Daniel understood this. Daniel, you look at, was a man of wisdom, of understanding, and he submitted himself to God. He humbled before God. He wanted to know God, know who God was. And so these are three pieces of God's revelation that we see in this passage that are very important for us, okay? We need to know who God reveals himself to be, who is God, according to God, right? We need, we need to know that. We need to know who God says we are. We are, I am, you are. You need to know who God says you are. Right? 
And we need to know what God is up to, the future. What is he doing? Right? And our answers to these are not always... Sometimes we think they're biblical, sometimes we think they're Christian, but they're actually not. Sometimes, because what happens is we actually fill them very easily with our culture. We fill them with the things that other people have said. And if we're not going back to Scripture and submitting ourselves to Scripture and to Jesus all the time, then what other people have said, you know, maybe I stand up here and I make a mistake one Sunday morning and that becomes, like, it for you. Or, um, you know, something that some other book or some other teacher um, from another religion said, you know, these things, those take place and we go, oh, that's Christian, when really it's not. If we read the Bible, like... It was crazy. You get, the Bible, you get the Bible college and we're, and we're learning God's Word. We're reading it. We're studying it. And people are going, well, that's not... I didn't think the Bible said that. I thought the Bible said this. I, I had a student one time at my previous church said, I thought God made the world because he was lonely. I thought God needed me. No, God doesn't need you. The Bible doesn't say that. All these little things. And there are things in my life where I go and read Scripture where I need to go, whoa, maybe I'm not right about this. Right? And be humble. And we need to... Um, allow these things to confront us and change us. And so sometimes what we believe about God is not what the Bible actually says. And sometimes what we think the Bible says is not actually what the Bible says. And that doesn't mean that we need to be scared and freak out and go, oh, I can't believe anything. Everything's, you know, subjective. Who knows truth? Because we can actually discover truth because God is truth. Jesus is truth. The Word, Scripture is truth. Right? Okay? capital T, we can. We do it in community, and we show grace and love to one another as we figure it out together. And we look back in history and on tradition and the scripture and all these things, and it's this thing that we do together, okay? But if you, always, if you think that everything you believe is true, then you end up making God in your own image rather than allowing God to make you in his image. It just happens. It's kind of scary, but it happens. That's why God needed to confront me and say, you know what? Experiencing me is not a measure of how close I am with you or what I can do. Okay? And go there later. Okay. So let's walk through these. So who is God? And these could be sermons in themselves. You can dedicate your life to studying these in themselves. But what I want to do is challenge you to go to the scriptures and read and discover and be confronted and be challenged and be open. Okay? Daniel is dumbstruck when he is confronted by God. God shows up, and it's like, boom, God. Okay, what do I do with this, right? Probably was not what he was expecting, right? And so God is going to confront us and challenge us. And we need to figure out who he is. Who does he say he is? Right? And there are lots of things to that. Because sometimes there are things that have crept in and sometimes you may struggle in your faith and the struggle is actually because of an error in your thinking and in your understanding of who God is. If you think God is mean and angry or distant or always judging you or upset with you, that's not who God is. doesn't mean that God isn't righteous or holy or, you know, that there isn't going to be a judgment or all these types of things, but you need to go and understand what Jesus did for you on the cross. Right? And that can be very freeing when we actually begin to learn the truth. And so, who you are, in, right? What, is, what, is, what happens in the vision? Daniel freaks out, and God says, 
Daniel, you are greatly loved. Like, fear not, peace, courage, strength, right? He says it more than once. You are greatly loved. Okay? Maybe that's for someone this morning. God says to you, you are greatly loved. God says that. It's not this, oh, God loves all people. It's no, God loves you. He loves you. And that's who we are. We're loved by God. And we need to allow who God says we are, what the Bible says we are. You know, we're not apes. We're not an accident or a mistake. We're created in the image of God. We need to allow that to transform us and change us and, and be what we believe. And the third thing is what God is up to. Okay? What, what's going on? Right? Jesus came, he died, he rose again, now he's coming back sometime. What's going on in the middle time? What's going on at the end when everything's over? Right? When we die, we just, like, is the end, ultimately, we're just going to be floating spirits in the clouds, stringing harps, or is there something else going on, right? Okay? So I would just challenge you, read through these passages and see what God is up to. Because depending on what dance we think we are dancing, it changes how we live our lives completely. And if we think that the, if, if we get the, the dance wrong, if we get what God is doing wrong, then we end up in a, in a totally different place, right? Like Westboro Baptist Church, that's really a cult, right? They think God is just there to like judge and, you know, condemn and destroy people, right? That is not the dance that God is dancing, okay? That is not where all things are going to end up. And so the Bible has a lot to say, and we need to actually read it for ourselves and understand it for ourselves, Okay? Not just let our music and popular books and different things inform us, okay? We need to let the Word of God inform us, okay? And so what is God up to? And sometimes the thing that I've been convicted of and has really helped me is sometimes the things that I think I believe, I don't actually believe. I say, oh, I believe God loves me, but I feel condemned and insecure and unloved and lonely all the time. Well, maybe I don't actually believe that God loves me. Maybe I just think that I believe that God loves me, right? Or all these other things. And so, and sometimes we need to go back and go, do I actually believe these things? Are they actually true in me, a, a part of who I am, or are they just something on a page that I say yes? Like I'm, you know, like when you click yes, when you install a new piece of software, buy a subscription, yes, I've read through all your terms and I agree. No one ever reads through those, Right? Is it just a thing that we've just checked off? And yeah, I believe this, so I'm in, I'm good, right? Or do we actually believe them and it has it transformed us, right? And the Holy Spirit will transform you as you spend time in the Word with Him and in community and actually seek Him. It will transform you and He will make you new. The Bible talks a lot about being transformed and being new in Christ. And so if I never change, maybe something's not right. Right? And so, this is, what's, this is what's going on. Okay. And so the truth confronts us, and it confronts us with love. Right? If you can go your whole Christian life without ever going, oh, I didn't already believe that, or, oh, I was wrong about that, or, oh, maybe I should change this, you need to take a closer look and spend some time with God. Because Jesus confronted people all the time. He did it with love. Right? The woman who was caught in adultery doesn't condemn her. He loves her, but then he says, go and sin no more. Right? Other times there's people where, like the Pharisees, he like 
calls them a brood of vipers and insults them and different things because he's confronting them because they're so stuck and hard-headed and hard-hearted and, and, they're, and they're pulling other people away from him that he takes a little bit of a harder route, right? But that's not how he is with us. He confronts us with love, okay? And so who did Daniel see? This is just an aside in case he didn't notice. Who was it that Daniel saw in the vision? Any guesses? Was it just an angel? Oh, it's up there, dang it. <laughs> Jesus, I clicked it accidentally. Jesus, it's actually Jesus. Jesus actually shows up in the Old Testament a bunch of times. We call them theophanies. It's your big word for the day. And, uh, you know, even though Jesus hadn't arrived in our history yet, Jesus was still a human being because God is outside of time. And he shows up at times, okay? And there's a, there's a bunch of examples where this is. Sodom and Gomorrah. The three strangers who show up to Abraham, that's Jesus. Um, When Jacob is wrestling with God, that's Jesus. When Joshua is, um, just before they take Jericho, when he's confronted, an angel shows up, and he like bows down and worships him, it's Jesus. As best we're able to tell this, people are pretty sure this is Jesus too. Because angels don't get this kind of description. No angel is that awesome. And, and angels don't respond the same way, right? Angels are just messengers, and they don't take any of the glory for themselves. They don't let any of that happen. They say, I'm just here as a messenger, you know, and they don't usually look like humans either. There's some visions and stuff where they are like wheels and have animal heads, and it's weird, okay? So it's Jesus who shows up. And so even in the Old Testament with Daniel, Jesus is at the center of everything. Jesus is our firm foundation, like we sang today. It's all about Jesus. The word is all about Jesus. Jesus himself says in one of the Gospels that after he resurrected and before he ascended, he went and taught all the disciples and showed them how the whole scripture was all about him and where he was in it. Okay? And so Jesus, our faith is in Jesus, our hope is in Jesus. We are actually dancing with Jesus. Right? It's actually about us and Jesus learning to live together, walk together, and be in sync, in step with one another, right? And there's this relationship that goes on as we follow him and as he loves us and confronts us and says, nope, that's a wrong step. Nope, over here. Come over here. Go over there, right? That we begin to dance. And when we dance, it becomes a very beautiful thing. And this is where faith arises and we are able to stand because something real is taking place here. This is where transformation takes place and the Holy Spirit transforms us and changes us, right? In this relationship with God. And He leads and we follow. And He gives us meaning and purpose to our experience and He personally guides us into that truth, right? We don't just read. We don't just get to read a dancing manual, right? We don't just go and read an instruction book on how to dance. God takes us on life in this journey. He says, "Come dance with me." And I'm going to teach you as we go, right? And we got to learn to let Him lead, and how we're going to follow. And I don't know if this metaphor helps anyone, but it's it's helped me, even though I can't dance, to to understand that it, it's it's more complicated sometimes than just a tension point or a balancing act of how do I do this? It's this give and take that works together. And they work together so well and it's how God created us. 
And it's an awesome thing. Right? And when we're dancing with Jesus, that's where the love happens and the truth, grace, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all those types of things begin to well up and come forth. And it's, I can't tell you how to dance. I can't, you know, dance for you. This is something that we do, and it's something that between you and Jesus, because you know where you're out of step. I don't know where you're out of step. But Jesus knows where you're out of step, and you know where you're out of step. So Jesus can deal with it with you. And we still come together, and we do this together, not entirely on our own. Is that cool? Good? All right. Um, so the worship team want to come back up, and we'll close with, uh, with one last song and just sing to Jesus again. And... Uh,